and welcome to mini episode 29 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to say a massive, gorgeous happy birthday to Johnny, who should be gallivanting across Australia right now, Whoa. but isn't oh. because of COVID. And Sorry, that, Johnny. That comes from uh, Cassie, but also, more importantly, from Tiny Bim. Tiny Bim. Beautiful. That was gorgeous. Well done. Thanks. Would you like some listener stories? No. I've got three spooky no. tales for no, you please. today. I'm ignoring you. <laughs> and we're going to get straight into it. And our first story comes from Diana. I've always had a fascination with the paranormal and readily devoured books on curses, witches, ghosts, ancient burial grounds, crystal skulls and the occult as a child. Although I lived in many old homes growing up, I never had any paranormal experiences until I was an adult. And it certainly wasn't for lack of looking. I satiated my curiosity with movies, live ghost hunting shows and books. Now the only paranormal experiences I've actually believed in happened not only to me, but to others present at the time as well. Although I have a keen interest as mentioned above, I'm a sceptic and don't like to believe anything is paranormal until all other possibilities have been ruled out. The first paranormal experience I had was about eight years ago now, when I was working as a paramedic, which I still do. I was on a call with myself and my partner, and we entered a house at the request of the police department to confirm the death of an elderly woman inside. It was late afternoon, but still light out, and there was nothing remarkable about the house, the day, or the call itself. It is one I've gone on many times before, and it's fairly routine. We entered the house to find the body of an elderly woman, who would appear to have died in her sleep on the living room couch. This was a comfort to me, as oftentimes we do these types of well-being checks and death examinations for folks who die under far less peaceful circumstances. It was nice to see that she appeared to have been in no pain as she passed and wasn't deceased for too long based on her condition. Myself, my partner and the police officer were standing in the living room and hallway next to it examining the home to see if anything that would indicate foul play appeared to be present, gathering personal information on the deceased and trying to piece together information to pass along to the ME when they called. As we stood there talking and looking around, we heard footsteps upstairs. We all looked up. I asked the cop if anyone else was home, and he said there wasn't as far as he knew. He stated that himself and the other officer outside had gone through the home before we arrived and hadn't found anyone. We asked him to go upstairs and check again as there was clearly someone home who we would need to speak to. He began to walk upstairs to the second floor in the direction of the footsteps and they abruptly stopped. He then walked through the entire second floor again and no one was there. When he came down to tell us, my partner and I were still in the living room, the footsteps started again. The same pattern, same volume and same spot right above our heads. None of us could figure out what was happening. There was no way out of the house, aside from the front and back doors, which we could all see, 
and no one had come in or out. We all went upstairs to check again and found no one. I still don't understand what that was. I heard your podcast on the first responder ghost stories and wanted to add this one. I can tell you whenever these things come up in the station, almost everyone has a story to share. So there's probably something about being around life and death so much that gives us a glimpse sometimes. The second occurrence has happened to my now husband and I when we moved into the house my cousin owned. A beautiful 1776 colonial house that was one of the first built in the town. A few months after we lived there, we heard noises late at night when the house was quiet. We have five kids, so there very well may have been noises during the daytime obscured by them. The noises sounded like people talking softly in the living room, or like a talk radio show was on. It was so distinct that I got up from bed a few times to walk in and see if something had been left on that was making the noise. When we would stay up talking in bed, we both worked late shifts and would often get home very late and catch up before going to sleep. We would sometimes pause because we could both hear it. Another time when we were, let's say, engaged in intimate activities late at night, we heard three distinct loud knocks on our door. Loud enough that we heard it in the moment got up and opened the door to see who it was, thinking it was one of the kids. There was not only no one there, but the motion sensor light from our security system hadn't activated. So no one had been downstairs within the last few minutes. Lastly, although I did not see this, one of the kids, he was four or five at the time, talked about a man he often saw in his bedroom. He called him Abraham Lincoln because he was tall, and wore clothing and a hat similar to his. He has quite the imagination, so I never took too much notice of it, or became concerned. Until I heard your podcast regarding the man in the hat. And now I wonder. Children seeing men in their room, regardless of whether they have an overactive imagination or not, need to be (laughs) believed. Or (laughs) dropkicked. Or dropkicked. No, I'm not encouraging you to... No, don't drop kick your kids. But man, oh, I just, I can't handle this notion. Because I do genuinely feel that children and animals have a different, they can sense different things to adults. I feel like they're more open to things. Animals, because they're like instinctual. And children, because they're yet to get that scepticism that's just naturally inbuilt. Even if you're the biggest believer in the world, in the paranormal, even if you're as gullible as me, there's still a part of you that's, your adult response to these situations do you know what I mean yeah where you try and find a rational explanation yeah. it's just it's just the way we are yeah so oh man I'd, I'd love I liked I'd like to think that it was actually Abraham Lincoln just you know felt like it was the right time to go and talk to your son I mean Abraham Lincoln is known for this sort of thing so <laughs> absolutely I mean he was like his wife was well into the, that side of things wasn't it we've spoken yeah. about that before so maybe he's just like surfing the astral plane's Dropping in on kids saying, hey, how you doing? You you keep going to school, yeah, son. Yeah, you keep going to school. <laughs> One day you can be like me and wear a stovepipe hat. Um, and haunt children. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, this is the first story where I've chuckled a little bit about the experience because normally they freak me out by the, the idea of a, a ghost pranking them when they're having sex is hilarious. 
<laughs> the ghost was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln does not approve of this kind of behavior. <laughs> the, uh, I wonder if the, the first experience when on the call to confirm the death of the old lady, I wonder if it was just the old lady still knocking about, like the spirit of the old lady. That's what I thought yeah. when I heard it. I didn't think like, oh, it must be haunted by somebody else. Like, and especially if she had an easy passing, maybe yeah. she wasn't aware that she yeah. had died yet, which is a bit of a mad... She's gathering her belongings. I definitely think that if we put a... If we went to a police station or an, an, a paramedics or an ambulance station or whatever and said, hey, have you guys got any weird stories? I'd say we would be inundated. Absolutely. Most definitely. I figure the the voices in the living room was just probably residual energy from when it... From or the aliens. Outside, That's what I thought it was. I always think of voices being aliens. Because you know in um, signs when they hear the voices on the monitor. Oh, yeah. That's what it always reminds me of and it freaks me out. No, I feel like it's probably residual. Because you're talking if, if a house is still around from colonial times in 1776 or whatever. Seen a lot of life. And it's probably quite sturdy built. And I'd imagine it was probably quite a main house of the era. So it probably had gatherings, social gatherings quite a lot. So potentially just residual energy there. Still creepy though. Nope. And our second story today comes... No more. ...from Sandy. South Africans probably tend to be more open to the possibility of ghosts and haunting. Although we tend to believe they are demons rather than just grandma hanging around after dying. It's difficult to write a story about what went on in our house, as the events were spread out over many years with periods of more activity, and I wasn't the main target of whatever lurks in that house. When I was a baby, my parents bought their first house in Johannesburg, South Africa. It is at the very end of an older suburb, and the house is on a short little street with only four other houses. The street is a dead end, ending in a field that has been left undeveloped. It was a really fun little area to grow up in. We never had much traffic, and all the houses had kids in them, so we could play all day and late into the night. Even as young children, my brothers and I were aware that strange things would happen in our home. I have a really early memory of my parents praying through the house and inviting clergy members in to cleanse the home. My first memory of experiencing anything odd myself happened when I was six years old. I remember waking up to the sounds of someone hammering away at something metallic in the middle of the night. I sat up and noticed a huge shadow cast across my wall. The shadow was of a man with a large beard working away with a hammer. I guess kind of like a blacksmith. My bed was right next to the window. I pulled the curtain open to see what was casting the shadow and it all faded away. Even now, 30 years later, I can still remember exactly what it looked like. Our home had four bedrooms. My older brother and myself each had our own room. My two younger brothers shared a room and my parents shared a room. Our home had the kitchen and living areas at one end and then a long corridor ran from the living area to the bedrooms. When I was around 10 years old, my older brother started having horrific experiences at night. I would wake up to the sound of him praying out loud. He said he would wake up with hands around his throat choking him. He used to be terrified to sleep 
so instead he would spend hours on his knees next to his bed, praying out loud. He said on those nights the dread and anger would settle on him and would last for days. My father admitted that he had had three instances of the same thing happening to him. He said that he would wake up at night and be unable to move, and he would feel incredibly sad and angry. Then he would hear the window in my younger brother's room open, and someone struggle in through the window. After that, he would hear footsteps coming down the hallway to his room, and he would feel the hands wrap around his throat. And only when he was able to call out to Jesus out loud would the entity release him. One night, my dad woke up. He heard the window open, but this time he could move. He jumped up as he heard the thing move down the corridor, and he ran to turn on their bedroom light. When the light turned on, he could hear the thing run through the house. So he chased it. But he never saw anyone or anything. In talking with neighbours, my parents found out that people involved in the occult frequently used the field near our house for gatherings and that when our house was empty, they had had meetings in there also. When they learned this, my parents had more clergy out to the house to pray over the property. I remember my mom saying that she thinks the people who were using the house before must be very angry with us for taking their meeting place, as the activity became much worse after the prayers. After the clergymen had left, we all went to bed. That night, an unseen entity walked down the corridor, opened my parents' door and sat down on their bed. My mom said the whole side of the bed sagged, but my father never woke up from it. My mother stayed awake the rest of the night, frozen in fear. In the morning, the entity stood up and walked away. After that, it would come back a few more times. Sometimes it would just sit on the bed. But sometimes it would lay down next to her. The room my younger brother shared was the room with the most bumps in the night. The room was always cold and always dark even though it had a huge picture window. This is the room the footsteps would always begin in. My younger brothers would always end up sleeping in my parents' room, or with my big brother, or one of us would sleep in there with them. When I was 12, I invited a friend over for a sleepover, and of course we decided to sleep in the spooky room, because 12-year-old girls are morons. I can honestly say that I had a great night's sleep, but the next morning I found my friend cowering in the corner covered in her blanket. She said she was awoken in the night with her face pushed up right against the wall and when we awoke she was so disoriented she had no idea where she was. Then something pushed her down and sat on her chest. She said she struggled with it for a moment before it released her. She said she had poked me and said my name over and over again but could not wake me however hard she tried. I don't remember being a particularly heavy sleeper as a child. For some reason, she never stayed over at my house again. The last story I want to share happened when I was 13. My father had left for a trip with some friends for a few nights. And this happened on the first night that he was gone. My three brothers had all decided that they would sleep in my mom's room with her because they were afraid to be in their own rooms at night. I had not felt the fear like they did, so I stayed in my own room, preferring my bed 
to having to sleep on the floor. I was awoken in the middle of the night by the sounds of someone breathing very heavily and walking down our long corridor. The funny thing is, it sounded like someone creeping along in a pair of high heels. I laid still for a few terrible minutes listening to the clicking and heavy breathing. I realised that there was a very real possibility that we had an intruder in our home, so I knew I had to do something. Dreading every moment of it, I quietly stepped out of bed and slowly inched to the door when disaster struck. I tripped over my school bag that I had obviously thrown on the floor the previous day, making a horribly loud noise. The breathing and walking sounds stopped immediately. Even now, writing this down, I can remember the absolute terror that I felt when I realised the house had gone silent. As silently as possible, I then quickly crawled forward for the last few feet, and holding my breath, I peeked around my doorway. I'll never forget seeing a black humanoid shadow dart out of the corridor and into the kitchen. Throwing caution to the wind, I jumped up and leaped to my mum's bedroom door. I yanked it open and flew into the room and slammed it shut behind me. My mum, of course, jumped up and ran to me. My three brothers were dead asleep and nothing was able to wake them. I immediately tried to turn the lights on, but to my horror, nothing happened. My mom and I sat in the room in the dark, realising that the power in the house was off. I was near hysterics at this point, whisper hissing to my mum that she needed to call somebody, that there was somebody lurking around the house. My mom locked the door, called the police, and then we sat there waiting. I remember fighting off the urge to sleep as we sat there together waiting for morning. The police never showed up, which was common in South Africa. But somewhere in the morning hours, the electricity came back on. When morning came, we unlocked the door and went to inspect the house. There was no sign of any break-in. But in the kitchen, the trash can had been emptied and trash was strewn all over the kitchen counters and the floor. To this day, I still don't know if it was an intruder in stilettos or some weird hooved creature wheezing down the hallway. The worst part of the story is that I think some of the people in my family now belong to this entity. There has been years of an abnormal amount of bad luck, but there has also been the darkness and heaviness in the house. It sits like a blanket over anyone who visits there, but I think if you live there it seeps into the corners of who you are. My dad and my older brothers are the ones that probably have the most darkness in them now. They don't really resemble the people that they were back then. Perhaps it's fanciful thinking, assigning the bitterness, anger, depression, bleakness and twistedness of a person to a dark force outside of themselves that may or may not actually be real. But last year my youngest brother visited my family for a weekend and it was one of the first times he had slept in the house since moving out years ago. He told me the very first night he was walking out of my old room to the bathroom when he saw a humanoid figure as black and dark as tar, walk down the hallway and disappear around the corner. Oh, that's a heavy story. Oh, that's giving me the hijibis. I did not like that. No, not at all. I think the thing is, when you're living in a city, there's always that actual possibility. That it's an intruder. That is a a human. 
Yeah. And it seems like her family did the right thing. Like yeah. called the police and wait. And I can verify that I'm sorry to be that person, but the police don't always show up. And it's not just a South African thing. Yeah. Um, but I do think that's a genuine... I mean, it's it's a genuine possibility everywhere, but I feel like it's more... When you're living in a big city, it's more likely that that's the case. But man... Oh, the the black like tar description is horrible, and the the shadow darting. Oh god, can't, can't deal with that. And it's really strange that all of those stories have some kind of thing going on when they're sleeping. But other than the person it's happening to, the other person that's asleep can't be woken. It seems to be like a a trait of each yeah experience. So like the when she bursts into the, her mum's room, the brothers stay asleep <laughs> but some people are just very heavy sleepers though yeah that's true i can verify that and especially if you've <laughs> had if you're too frightened to sleep in your own room you probably have have had a long time of disturbed sleep yeah. and are probably in some ways sleep deprived so yeah. maybe they just were having a really good night's sleep for the first time in ages but even when a friend was over she couldn't be woken do you know what i mean oh yeah she no wasn't i'm not sleeping in a room i'm not and... disputing what you're saying but some people are just heavy sleepers yeah it's crazy crazy craziness and it reminded me of that scene in pie bucket which you know that film we watched a couple of weeks yes, ago yes with the girl when in the, the girl car was there when her friend is just so freaked out like it, it felt like that to me when she was describing how scared her friend was yeah not there's something going on in that house i don't like it I don't like it at all i've got one more story for you no i'm good we can stop there this last story comes from carrie When I was eight years old, I moved into a new home with my father, mother and younger brother. It was a nice comfortable house that was sold quite cheaper than the rest in the neighbourhood and my mother was really proud of it. I lived in the last room in the back with the largest closet, which upon moving in we found it with the name Michelle written in a different colour, markers and pencils over and over again on the inside of it and at that point... You move out. Yeah, this is me absolutely. interjecting. I'd be like, "Thank you, Michelle, for letting us know that you're here. I am. See you later." So yeah, I'm off. The hallway that led to my room had closet doors made of mirrors that faced each other, and my parents' bedroom door was right next to mine. My mother was so excited about getting this home for so cheap, she decided to build an extra hallway and room on the side of the house. And that is when I remember things began. It was very slow and subtle. Some days we'd hear as if someone was moving around the hallway being built. The clinking of nails, the sounds of a bag of cement being dragged through the coarse floor. Other times it seemed like there were people talking in the hallway. We almost ignored it, blaming it on the wind coming through the holes of the unfinished walls. When I was about 10 years old, I was playing in the mirrored hallway and I opened one of the doors to make the infinite effect when two mirrors face each other. And I noticed that my reflection was not alone. No. No. Behind me, right above my head, peeked the face of a young woman with brown curly hair like mine. She stared blankly, her mouth opened as if to speak, and then her eyes moved to me. I immediately shut the door and ran out. I explained frantically to my mom as I had more trust in her, but was met with the typical, you saw wrong, nothing's there, must have been a trick of your imagination. Don't bother your father with it. Things got way worse 
and fast from that moment. Friends who visited would say our house smelled sterile, like a hospital. Our names would sometimes be called with nobody there. My little brother would tell me he could hear me cry in my room sometimes, when I wasn't crying. At night, almost every night, I could hear what sounded like bare feet on lino floor go up and down the hallway and stop at times at my door and on rare occasions rattle my door handle which I kept locked at all times. Through the windows the hushed whispers of what I could only describe as when a group of people pray quietly in an echoed church came through, panicking me to a point where I always slept with the television on. Sometimes, as I'd walk through the mirrors, I could almost catch a glimpse of her standing just out of sight. I would never look into those mirrors directly. As I grew up, the incidences were regular occurrences. I almost got used to it and began to ignore it, only acknowledging her if a cup fell or if the cabinets were open after I'd shut them. When I was about 13, I'd gotten up to use the bathroom, And as I stepped into the hallway to go back to bed, I could barely make out the figure of my mother standing in front of my door. As she sometimes sleepwalked, I walked over and stretched my arm out to guide her back to bed. Mama, come with me. As my hand reached her arm, it went through and touched my door. I realised her hair was much shorter and she seemed slimmer. Did you just hear that? Yeah. What the hell was that? It sounded like my belly rumbling, but it came from over there. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a brief second. What? I really hope that was caught on audio. That was bizarre. That, that's, that is genuinely the noise my belly makes when it's so digested. So, if it's not caught on audio, that was a growl. That no, wasn't a growl. Well, it, whatever it was, it was that like, was weird. It sounds like, you know, the noise your belly makes when it's digesting it. It was that noise. It wasn't a growl. It was a weird noise. I'm just going to continue. I'm going to yeah. ignore it. I don't know where it was. A ghost mom? You're talking about a ghost mom. This was not my mother. I rushed into my room and closed the door behind me and began to scream for my parents. They found nothing. It was just a nightmare, my mom said. I slept in my brother's room for weeks. Months later, I opened up to a friend who had come to spend the night. We were going out and she sat on my bed while I was in the bathroom telling her everything. I began to call her Michelle, after the name on my closet years prior. I told my friend I never attempted to interact with her, nor ever speak to her. My friend teased me that I was a coward which I did not deny. And she said that if it was her, she'd yell and confront Michelle to leave as she was no longer welcome here. There was the sound of scratching, metal and glass breaking. And suddenly, my friend stood next to me, her eyes wide and her face pale. She threw something at me, she shouted. I ran over and a small candle I had on the top of my television on the opposite side of the room, laid smashed and broken on my bed, a red wax stain on my wall from the crimson candle. She had never been violent before, and my friend did not stay. 
I finally confronted my parents together. I showed them how I had looked for help for a long time. Paranormal expert websites, contacted priests and even mediums, but none of their advice ever helped. My father answered by telling me how one night he had woken up to what looked like a woman in the dark sitting on the edge of his bed. He looked next to him and saw my mother fast asleep and assumed it was me. He asked if it was alright. She then stood and faced him. When he saw her slightly open mouth and her pale, expressionless face, he said, it chilled him so much. He couldn't move or scream, so he sat frozen in fear while he watched the figure slowly fade into darkness before his eyes. He said he didn't sleep well for weeks and he never dared to speak up until then. My mother still refused to believe it all. Until one night... My brother was playing with our new kitten in his room while the rest of us watched television in the living room. When he ran over to us, his little old flip phone in his hand. You have to see it, I caught her. The fuzzy video showed our kitten playing on the ground when he suddenly jumps up and stares into his closet for a few seconds before a thin white line seemed to reach out of the closet and towards the kitten who then ran away. Before the video ends, the face I'd seen in the mirror so many years before seemed to peer out from between his hanging clothes. My brother had not seen it until he played the video back. I sobbed because I felt like I finally had proof. I wasn't crazy and my mother could not deny it. She sent for a friend who was a pastor to bless the house. There was no difference after that. In fact, just a few days after the blessing, while I got ready to shower, I leaned against the bathroom door to remove my socks. And from the other side of the door came a horrible, raspy female groan. I could feel the warmth in my ear from her breath. I screamed until my father came and had to sit by the bathroom door while I showered. Gladly, Only a year later, we moved out. When we were finished emptying the house with my father next to me, I spoke out loud to her. I hope you find rest. Thanks for the company all these years, even if we didn't always get along. We're moving on now, and I hope you do too. My family and I never experienced Michelle again, nor anything else in our new home. Sorry, Michelle. Absolutely not. No, definitely not. Oh, no. Michelle, no. This is why I don't like mirrors, you see. Peering behind my island. I can see that video in my head. Yep. And it's like I want to tuck my legs in from under the table. That's how I feel now. Yep. That is my my symbol for I'm really freaked out now. Yep. Don't like it. Don't like it. I love how the mum was like, don't bother your dad, knowing that the dad had already seen her. (laughs) He hadn't told anybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. he okay. said that he he only talked about when the little girl was like, "There's something in this fucking oh, house." I thought he would only talk. I thought that meant he only talked about. I thought that meant he only talked about it to her. Like no, to the little girl. I, I, I thought the mum knew. Yeah, I, I don't. I am with you. I don't think I would have got behind beyond the Michelle in the wardrobe written in the wardrobe. No, no, over and over again. No. 
I mean, when I was a kid, I used to draw all over my bedroom walls. And my mum used to allow it because she was like, it's your bedroom, do what you like. Why would I write my own name over and over again inside my wardrobe? It's, I mean... I wouldn't. It's one of the first things kids, kids learn to write though, isn't it? Yes, it is. Absolutely. And I guess if you're practising and you haven't got any paper inside, inside your wardrobe. <laughs> Maybe she was just locked in there for being naughty when she was a kid. Equally, it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I don't like the idea of having wardrobes with mirrors as doors. I know you would love that because it would mean you had like two full-length mirrors in your house. To pause in front of, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not feeling that at all. That is a, a, a horrible story and I don't mean that it's a bad story. I mean, it's just not very nice for you or to think about. Whew. So if you enjoyed this week's stories and we live to see next week I mean let's hope that we do I don't fucking know if we will or not I don't know I just don't know what that was I really hope the microphone audio picked it up anyway we'll check in a minute if you enjoyed this week's episode and you would like to come and join us you can find us on Instagram Twitter Facebook we also have a Facebook group all of the links to those things are on our website which is reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com where you can find the links to all of our merch our merch is created by our fans and all of the money goes to them. And so if you, you would like a 50p movie club face mask, because you should be wearing one. Yes, you can find them there too. You can also send us your own spooky stories to Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so. Patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month, you get access to at least 65 episodes. And for $2 a month, you get access to the complete back catalogue of 50p Movie Club, which is a whole other podcast hosted by Dan and Dave Keane. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye. Bye.